kids today, they're, they're such punks with all the, like I live in New York City, all the kids with the hip hop, they got Tourette's from all the hip hop they listen to. My wife, we went to see 50 Cent, she's into the hip hop. 50 Cent's hardcore, he's like, white people suck. And we're like, yeah, we suck. <laughs> Put your hands in there, they stole my wallet. To scam that hands in there. I put them up one at a time now. <laughs> I, I no longer act as if I just don't care. I care a lot. <laughs> I care a lot. They're stealing my shit. So a little Kevin Brennan for you. This is an interesting conversation I had with uh, Kevin Brennan. He's a comedian uh, based out of New York, and uh, he's been doing it for a while. And he's a guy that just stopped giving a damn about everything. I love it, and it's refreshing because there's a lot of comics who want to play the, I got to play safe, got to play down the middle. You know, I don't really don't want to piss anybody off. I want to get on Comedy Central. I want to get a Netflix special. I want to get all that. And a few years ago, Kevin, who had been toiling around in the comedy scene and Comedy Cellar, he went out to L.A., wrote for Norm MacDonald for a little bit, and just decided, I'm done. I'm done playing the game. And he really is done playing the game. He is the real deal. And anyone I've talked to, I talked to uh, Colin Quinn and a couple other comics, and they said, Kevin Brennan is a great comic, he's a comics comic, and he's the real deal. He is who he is. It's just fantastic. It was, it was a good conversation I had with Kevin. He's got a great podcast. It's called Misery Loves Company. I also did the podcast with my friend Chad Zumach, which he also has a podcast. It's called Sit Down Zumach, so you can check that out as well and go to their websites and check them out uh, if you're going to see them on tour. But uh, my conversation with Kevin Brennan, here's what's interesting about just the background and why it's over the phone. And it's actually better quality than I thought. So I'll just give the quick background. So Chad was moving to Florida. And this, uh, we actually taped this in the spring, way back, before, when I'm just starting to put together this podcast. And I didn't know where I was going to go. I didn't know when I'm going to launch. I didn't know how many interviews I should book in advance and try to put things together. So... Chad was leaving like the next day for Florida, and this was the day I think the bars and restaurants started reopening in Ohio, and we were going to go out to have a drink, Chad and I, before he goes, but we ended up having a couple of drinks on my patio, and full disclosure, Chad was staying at a hotel in Ohio that I could see from my apartment. I won't say where I live. And I won't say where Chad was staying, but I could see where he was living. So he lived that close. So he walked through the parking lot, through the little woods that I had, or I have, I should say. And he came up and we did the podcast on my patio. So during our podcast, we decided, hey, why don't we call Kevin Brennan, have a celebrity guest, quote unquote. And uh, we were able to get him on and it was, it was a fun conversation. So here it is. Here's an hour with Kevin Brennan and Chad Zumach, with myself, of course, the Check My Brain podcast. Let me know what you think. I hope it turns out okay and hope you enjoy it. There's probably going to be some stuff that is inside baseball if you're a fan of Kevin's work. If you're not a fan or you haven't been exposed to him yet, please go check him out and check out his podcast. It's called Misery Loves Company. And check him out on Patreon as well. You know what's so funny? We're at the Funny Stop next week. I'm back on the shows. And yeah, are you driving? You're taking a plane from here? Yeah, I'm flying I'm there. driving. Oh, shit. Because yeah, I couldn't get a flight. I couldn't get a... The flights back were like early, super early and super late. Dude, a seven and a half car ride would be brutal with you. 
was yelling about everything. You think stuff. I yelled the whole time? I probably would with Chad. With Chad, you would. So the kid hosting the show, Tony Mazur, he's a friend of mine. He's of course he is. Good people. Of course he's good. He's great. I Tony and Wendy. I think, we're friends. I think we're friends on Facebook. He's a, he's a big fan of you two, but he's a great. huge, huge Brian McCarthy fan. Like, uh, hi, Tony. Like, huge. Awesome. And it's like one of his goals is to have a beer with you. I go, your goals stink. With eight minutes in, he'd be like, uh, this is a terrible idea. <laughs> Brian's, uh, Brian's good in small doses. Uh-huh. I don't even know. That's actually true about me. Would you want to have Kevin Brennan on the show? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Uh, let's call Kevin Brennan right now. Kevin Brennan, we'll, we'll do the quick bio. Kevin Brennan is a uh, great stand-up comedian uh, based out of New York, originally from Philly. And uh, he's been uh, he's a great podcast guest. I know that. And uh, I, I, he's doing it for 30 years. He's on Saturday Night Live. Uh, appearances on David Letterman. I mean that's uh, it's quite a resume, and his he's got a great podcast right now. It's called Misery Loves Company, and it's really taken off in the Howard Stern, Opie, and Anthony type of realm when it comes to the uh, like the characters. Like there's Kevin Brennan is like kind of the Howard Stern of the group, and then you just have the characters and the the whack packers of the show, including the fans at, at that point. And that's part of the Misery Loves Company podcast. Calling him now? Yeah. Okay. I didn't know if you were calling him at that time. I wanted a nice setup there. Yeah. Hello? Kevin, uh, it's Tony and Chad. Can you hear us? Yeah, go ahead, caller. <laughs> First of all, where do you go up? Nowhere now. Yeah. Uh, Kevin, we gave, we gave you a good intro here coming up, but uh, Kevin, I, I have to say that uh, now that I'm doing this podcast everything uh you and chad are the two people really got me into wanting to do uh, uh, start my own podcast because i've been doing radio for a while and I, with this coronavirus stuff there's no real way of me being able to i guess grow my brand in a way and do some broadcasting and some podcasting and i heard a recent podcast that you were saying about content and putting content out there and making sure that it's consistent and i'm like you know that's for somebody like kevin who's not a true broadcaster you didn't go to broadcasting school and everything that's as good of advice that i've heard from anybody it's one of the longest speeches i've ever heard <laughs> <laughs> listen uh i mean I, honestly one of the problems that i had with when i, I worked with my show burning bridges at compound media well, i really does sound like a cult when you say call it compound media <laughs> but um one of the problems was you know, they would close for vacations. They would close for, and you wouldn't get paid, you know. They would close, like, just random weeks. Not random for them, random for us. They would just tell us two weeks at the end of the year were closed and, you know, uh, July 4th, the week before and a week after, stuff like that. Just, you know, they were closed like six weeks of the year. And then, you know, I couldn't, I, I just didn't like the fact that it was not um, up to me when it was put out because, I don't, you know, the funny thing is, I don't have any hobbies, so I can, <laughs> I mean, I, people, you know, Kumia can play video games all night and, and go gambling, it's like, I don't have, I don't have anything else to do, so, you have, like, You're married, you have kids, you know, you can't just uh, go to Atlantic City for a weekend and just gamble and everything, you gotta yeah, watch but even if I, even if I could, I wouldn't, because, like I said, I don't. Like, even, I don't even watch TV now. Last night I was going to, um, 
I was going to play online poker, and I was like, ah, oh, it's just such a headache. And then I just, because I, I, I'm sick of being on Twitter, you know? But then, because I, I can't even watch TV. TV for me is so boring that I basically, I just, I just podcast because I'm like, I don't, I don't really have anything else to do. People are like, well, what, you know, what, don't you, uh, don't you, I'm like, no, I don't, I don't, I don't, I think movies are dumb. I think people, like I'm trying to watch this Ozark and it's so bad that I'm like, <laughs> well, this is the show, this is the show everyone's like, Joe Rogan was like season three. What a masterpiece. I'm like, I, I, I feel like I'm getting through season two. Like I'm working on a, like a, a, a college, uh, uh, term project where I'm like I can't I can't get through I'm blocked mm -hmm. I try to watch I'm like I cannot I can't get through this episode like I'm I have a mental block it's such garbage and the fact that everyone's telling me to so I'm like what would I, what else would I do I mean I'm not gonna sit there like Bob Levy and uh, FaceTime live for three hours that's like mental Tough illness Uber. but you know yeah, it's it really is interesting because you put out the podcast Patreon. You have uh, one that goes out free on iTunes. And when you're talking about putting the content, because there's a lot of people who are podcasters. What they do is they they're like, oh, you know, I'll start a podcast, and then they stop for a little bit, and they're like, you know what, I'm going to pick the podcast back up. Well, those people went away. They unsubscribed because you weren't getting they weren't getting podcasts. They weren't getting any content from you, so you were forgotten about in that sphere of entertainment you have to at least put something out there and, and no matter who's been your co-host over the years you've you've kept it going yeah are you talking about eddie if now <laughs> <laughs> I mean, eddie is so, eddie if's like he does a poll he's as bad as chad chad does a poll should i move to florida or new york it's like wow you're you're listening to these trolls to tell you where to live so uh so eddie if started saying like should I start? Should I start up my podcast again? Uh, what was it called, Chad? Talking uh, shit. Gives a shit. Oh no! Yeah, talking shit. Should I start it up again? They're like, yeah, you go, girl. <laughs> but you know, people just people don't care. They'll just listen to something else. You know, like I always said, you know, when the Louis C.K. show, when all his shows got canceled, people don't stop. They don't stop watching TV. They just find something else to watch. So if you stop your podcast. They'll find something else. Like if Joe Rogan stopped doing his podcast, it's not like people would stop listening to podcasts. They would just find something else to listen to. Yeah, and the one thing is how I'm very, I've always admired how you've turned your, I don't want to say turned your career around, but you've adapted in a lot of ways. Where you were a club comic for a while, you did a lot of, you did audience warm up, you did a little bit of acting and everything, but it was like you're, you experienced a true renaissance uh, just a few years ago by doing the podcast and going on the, the Opian Jim, the, the ill fated and short lived uh, Opian Jim Norton show. And you, it was almost like a, really was that coming to Jesus moment for a lot of like old school ONA fans like myself, where you're like, wow, finally there's actually a comic that's out there that maybe you either didn't hear of or you didn't know what he was capable of. And you were just, you, I mean, you were guns a blazing on that podcast. And it really, and it just from afar, it seemed like it really kind of transformed how, uh, how everything has been and how your comedy has been over the years. Yeah, I think I changed the game. <laughs> Troop Trailblazer. Now, you know what happened was, um, now, you know, I mean, there were two things, really. It's like, first of all, when I do, when I, uh, when I do um, podcasts, I don't have to follow Godfrey. You know, I don't have to follow anybody. <laughs> so I don't, have to, I don't have to adapt to what they did. So I can just do it how I want to do it. 
And uh, so that that made it easier than to just be myself. And then also, um, also I control it, you know. Like, I mean, I, when I was at Compound Meat, I mean, I didn't control it. In a sense. I mean, I control it more now, but I'm saying, when I was at Ridecast, and then when I was at um, uh, uh, Compound Media, it's like, I controlled the content, really, but they controlled the business. So I guess that, that, but so now I feel like I control everything, which is, which is, which makes me a little nervous, but it's more about like, I don't, I don't have to, when you do stand up, you're at the mercy of so many things. And so I was always a little frustrated. I, I never understood why I was, but now I, now looking back, I was, I realized I was never, you know, I used to fight with Lenny Marcus, my first uh, wife. <laughs> is, that, he a, is he a comedian? Lenny, <laughs> I know. Right? No, I would would argue would argue my first wife that uh, Lenny. I say, I say, well, and stand up, you can't really express yourself. You can't really vent. You're just doing your act. I mean, sometimes you discuss certain things. Like if you have a fight with your girlfriend or whatever, you write a joke. That's a way of venting. But you're really just doing your act. So I just found it refreshing that um, that I could just do it how I wanted to as opposed to like who the MC is and what time of the show it is and who I'm following and also and so now it's kind of a good question because now I, I guess I've always felt a little stifled that um, you know when I was working for, for Riot Cash you know Keith the Comp blames like that I'm mental but I think on some level I was like I mean I would have loved to stay at these networks but they were you know they're dumb let's face it they're dumb because I mean I tweeted today I was going to tweet today if I was ever going to spend, like, I'm basically running a business now, like my my podcast business. I guess I'm running it. It's your LLC. And, um, yeah. yeah MLC, LLC. Like, yeah, so I'm basically, uh, I'm basically running my own business now since I'm not working for anybody in the podcast community. And, and I was going to tweet out, if I had to start a business, I would definitely hire guys that were just fired from other jobs for being junkies. You know what I mean? So it's like... <laughs> I mean, Keith didn't do it once. He did it twice. He hired, and he hired him pretty, pretty much back-to-back. Back. Like, let's go the junkie route. You know, we tried we tried with uh, Legion of Skanks and Gavin McGinnis, and that was pretty successful. Now let's hire junkies and uh, see how that goes. So and, and give them four days a week. Wonder, sometimes you just got to wonder, like, okay, so, so, so that's, you know, I can say what I want, and now I can do what I want. And, you know, and that's... You know, I don't always trust my own judgment, but, you know. Well, and what was interesting is how you, you've been doing this for a long time, and at one time, not every comic is Bill Hicks, where you can go on stage and pontificate and say whatever the fuck's on your mind, and, uh, you know, and, uh, which I think nowadays... Yeah, because, if, you know, that's a good point. That's a good point, because Bill Hicks was, like, obviously kind of unique in that way. Most comics don't... you got to have... You know, people always give Stano props, and I like Stano, but, like, He's drunk most of the time, isn't he? <laughs> He's drunk all the time, it seems. Yeah, so it's like if I was drunk, if I'm drunk, it's easier to to be say whatever I want on stage. But if you're not drunk, like as a human being, you're like, all right, well, there are people like looking at me, and I, just, you know, so as a human being, you kind of go, okay, well, let me let me do it this way. But if you're drunk, you're like, I don't give a shit, and I'll say whatever I want. But so Hicks wasn't drunk, so that's why I kind of give kind of a lot of props to Hicks because he, yeah, he was, he would just go, I'm, this is what I'm going to do. And, uh, but that's rare. I mean, Kinnison was high and drunk a lot. He would do whatever he wanted, but he was, so it's, it's hard to just get up there 
on stage and do whatever you want, especially when you're following a guy or you got a check spot or there's all kinds of, you know, you're basically a businessman when you're on, yeah. when you're doing stand up. And com- comedians really never had this opportunity. I mean, you would, if you had any TV time, whether you'd be on like Alan Havey or you would be with uh, Paul Provenza or, uh, do panel spot on Letterman or Conan that, yeah, you'd showcase a little bit more of your personality, but now this is podcasting is finally the time where, it, it, I don't want to say it makes stand-up, I don't want to say it makes it irrelevant, but it just adds almost a different element where you don't have to go on stage and be political and that you can kind of, basically what I've seen is you could do your act and use your podcast as what you do for your personality. It's like, here's my, here's my stand-up act. And here's my here's where you can go if you want to hear a little bit more for do you want to peek behind the curtain a little more for uh, with this podcast? Yeah, yeah, right. You can you can uh, basically show your person. You're not just have to just do your jokes. I mean, like if you do a joke, if you go on the TV show and you do a joke, and then it doesn't it doesn't get a laugh. Um, it's like okay, well that didn't get a laugh. You're basically stuck with that. You're basically then stuck with that response. But if you're doing a podcast, you're not you're not waiting on one joke, one laugh, you know. So it's uh, I just found it like liberating, you know. And that's why I was like, uh, I, mean, I just thought it was fun because you didn't like you didn't have like some some a bunch of white women staring at you in the front row because you were ruining their bachelorette party. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, because that was the thing about Bill Hicks is that he's revered now, but he walked a lot of rooms in those days and where he was one of those acts. And I, I don't know if you had, you probably had the opportunity to see him live back then, but uh, that he was somebody that not every, he was not everyone's favorite comic. Uh, the club owners loved him because of, they knew how good he was, but the the audience was not about him where afterward when they would say, Oh, who'd you think? It's like, Oh, that last guy was really loud and everything. I like the middle guy. who was talking about smoking weed and watching Scooby-Doo. And, uh, but uh, it was his middle. Benson. <laughs> 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 Imagine if Doug Benson was he, he features for Bill Hicks every show. Bill Hicks is always like, God damn it, I can't follow this. <laughs> That's something that David Tell would do. David Tell would be like, I can't follow this guy. And I'd say, Get somebody else. He goes, You should be able to follow anybody. I'm like, Yeah, but not if you're picking him, you idiot. <laughs> he said that about Big J one time. He goes, Big J, you know, because Big J started, was open for a tell for a long time. And Tell would complain to me. And I would say, Well, I said, I said, well, uh, just get somebody else. He goes, no, you should be able to follow anybody. So I'm like, well, you're an idiot. I'm like, get someone who's the exact opposite of you, not somebody who's like you, which maybe that would be uh, Doug Benson would, would be a good match for Bill Hicks. Well, you know, it's funny you mention that because uh, Jim Norton does kind of the opposite, is that he's he's put on a lot of uh, female comics and where if you're into... Yeah, that's who you should get. That's If you have any concern, put on someone completely different than a different race, a different sex, anything. Don't put up someone that's going to make it hard for you and make make it uh, whatever. It's just, you know, whatever. Because I think that's where some clubs might look at that and say, like, do we want something cohesive where we get a solid audience? So if you have, like, if you have a Jim Florentine, for example, do you want somebody who's a Jim Florentine type of comic where they talk about metal, they talk about uh, tits and ass, and they talk about their dick and everything? Or do you want somebody with Jim Florentine that's, I don't. I don't want to say like social justicey, but you would have somebody who is has like a different yeah, well, point of view. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. The comedy club owners they don't care. Like if, if you if you 
if you sell tickets, you can bring your own guy. You they you know they don't they you can bring your own guy. But if you can't bring your own guy, they don't care. They they just pay, they just they just took took some of that week and uh, and they could care less about who if it's good if it's good follow for you or not. That's why it's so disgusting. That's another reason I like podcasts because it's like you know it's like you know the comic club owners they don't they they don't give a shit. They just never. They'll never care. I mean, well, they're, they're bars the with comedy. entertainment, is what they are. Huh? They're they're bars with entertainment. Yeah, but they but also they don't care. Like if you if, if like if you said this guy, if you said this guy is uh, if you complain to the club owner at some random club, let's call it, let's just pick one uh, funny stuff. <laughs> and you were <laughs> if you went up to Pete and said Pete. Why'd you why'd you put him with this guy? He's he's it's hard. He's he's impossible for me to follow people with his heavy accent. I don't care, you know. So uh, it's just the way it is. It's like they'll never change. That will never change. They could. They're like, well, Godfrey can follow. Well, and and that's where comedy clubs are going to get into this situation where because uh, and I heard a recent podcast you were talking about how. Uh, with Sue Costello, where comedy comedy went through a bad situation in the l- early '90s, where you had go- the Gulf War, you had the explosion of HBO, and all these, uh, you know, the uh, what the uh, Jack Daniels or Johnny Walker comedy show, and uh, every TGI Fridays and every Tony Roma's had a comedy club and a comedy night and everything. And it really kind of oversaturated it. it what really, because, you know, I've only been doing comedy a few years. What really brought comedy back? Was it was it podcasting, or what, did it uh, kind of explode a little bit before, back in the 90s? You know, it really brought it back, just time. Nothing else Nothing else fixes it but time. And, mm. and you know, and so that's, you know, they can say what it is now. Like, I, was, I saw a clip from Joe Rogan talking to... Um, um, not Brendan Schaub. The other guy, what's the other guy's name? Brian Kalen. And he said, he's, and they're going to, Brian Kalen and Brendan Schaub are going to Houston to do the improv, I guess. And, you know, they can only do 50% capacity and blah, blah, blah. And so they were joking about, you know, we, well, how much are we going to make enough money, blah, blah, blah. So, so that's what it is. It's like baby steps. Like, I, I don't know. I don't think the comedy club owners are going to be, uh, you know, they're not going to be, the comedy clubs aren't going to be normal for a couple of years. Just it just takes time for it to sort itself out, you know. And then comedy clubs probably go out of business, and then other ones will open. I think other ones will open because it's almost like when when there's a shakeup in the industry, other people see opportunities where you know some comedy clubs weren't doing that good anyway. They weren't run that well. They're friends with shitty comics, and that's that's a, that's a death now when you have to like book your friends who suck and and like <laughs> no a lot of city comics a lot of I mean a lot of city clubs they get stuck with that they book you know the the, the guy who books the room becomes friends with people and you know and, and then you know and then they gotta book these guys and then the shows aren't good and it's like well, these are my friends and you know that's just, that's just uh, so um, so I, I think that's what will happen like I think the clubs that are doing okay will probably still do okay and you know like the improv will probably do good because they're corporately owned or, or however they run it they're better known I don't know but I just know there's going to be a shake up there's going to be a shake up in stand up comedy anyway just because I mean no no comics are working now so when the clubs open up again 
who's gonna like who's gonna do the dates? You know. Yeah, and then if you're not Bill Burr, if you're not Joe Rogan, you if you're Chad Zumach, for example. I mean, and no, no offense. Hey! To, no offense to Chad. Seriously, is that? Yeah, but even Bill, even Bill Burr might have to just do clubs now because he might have to just do a bunch of shows, and because he he can't make the money in a theater like he used to, he can't go to a theater and do half capacity. He'll have to do more than one night, and the reason you do theaters is to um, is to do one night and get out of town. Yeah. So if, if he can't do that, then he might have to. He might have to go to the improv. But and, and those guys also probably want the reps too. They want to get up there. Yeah, that's right. Finally. <laughs> so so Kevin, while, while I have you, I don't mean to put you on the spot, really, but uh, we, you've been around for a while and you've seen the different comics that have been uh, out there. Who are some of those comics that, before the days of Dane Cook putting things on YouTube and MySpace and everything, that they were some of the great comics that you wish they were household names and they just never, like, I always think of Tom Dreesen, where Tom Dreesen was a household name in the 70s, but if you ask anybody nowadays, they don't know who he is. And there's other people who've been, like I mentioned with Paul Provenza was another uh, comic that, he was big before the internet days, but who are some of those that I guess the internet just forgot? I don't, I don't, I don't know. I mean, you know what I like to do sometimes? I like to, I like to go on, like if I think of a comic, I'll Google him, and uh, then I'll see what they have on as far as like what's available to watch of them on videos, and then... Then, then you go to, uh, then I might go to Twitter to see if they're on Twitter, and then I'll go on Facebook to see if they're on Facebook. Because there's one thing I've noticed that older comics have no, they're just not, they're on, they're not on social media because they think it's like beneath them. But more than that, they think it's just like they don't even know how to do it. Like I, I remember before I started doing this podcasting thing. Um, I was gonna. I don't know. My Twitter following was probably like at three hundred or something, and um, and this guy who worked who used to work the comedy cellar. He actually still. He doesn't work there, but he's friends with the owner, and he's always there. They call him Everyday Steve, so he's there every day. I don't even know if he gets paid, but anyway, he was telling me. He was telling me, you know, you can buy. He goes, I can buy Twitter. I think I was just talking to him outside one time. He goes, you know, I can buy Twitter followers. Like you. Brian McCarthy. Yeah, and I go, I go. Well, how much does it cost? He goes, I, I forget what he was saying the details, but it was like a couple hundred bucks, and then you can get maybe ten thousand Twitter followers, and they're all from China. Like everything dirty is from China, so they're all from China. And then uh, so I was really thinking about doing it because I was thinking like, oh, you know, they're not gonna comedy clubs won't book you if you don't have Twitter followers or if you don't have an Instagram follower. So they just think they just smell trouble. Like if all. They go to your Twitter and you have like 100, 150 Twitter followers. Like some guys are who are Bodaks. They might be might they might be killer Bodaks, but they have no Twitter followers. So because yeah. I guess they don't need it, and you can just get in trouble on Twitter if you whatever. Anyway, so so I was actually thinking about doing that, and then but then I went on O and A, not O and A, O and J, and then uh, <laughs> and within like every time I went out there. I remember one time I went on their show one time. I said, you know, every time I go on the show, um, I double my Twitter following. It was something like that. Or, or I triple it. It was something ridiculous. I said, every time I go on the show, I, I triple my Twitter following. I said, I did the math. So after eight episodes, 
of coming on your show, I'll be ahead of Katy Perry and Twitter followers. Like <laughs> if I tripled, if I tripled every time, I would have got to like like seven hundred or seventy five million because it was just like it would just go up exponentially. So it's so basically, if I if I hadn't done this, I guess I got I guess I should say I got lucky because because if I hadn't done this, I'd be like every other guy where it's like like you know people people complain to me now or on Twitter they go. Brennan sucks. I'd be like, three years ago, you don't even know who I was. So it's like, so I don't, so I don't even get mad. I'm like, I do suck, but thanks for the attention, you know. You know what's funny is I remember so, I, I remember that episode when because I remember I checked your Twitter that day and you only had like 600 followers the first day you went on. Yeah, like I, I was, it was so low, and then the next time I went on, I, I, I was, uh, I think the second episode, I was saying like, yeah, you guys really. You guys really help my Twitter following. And at the end of the episode, Opie's like, let's try to get his numbers up. So we were on the air, and Opie's like watching the count like we were doing a telethon. You know? I mean, it, was, <laughs> it was amazing. But I, but I made me realize I did get kind of lucky. I got kind of lucky. I mean, I got in the podcast like later than I should have, but, but I got in sooner than I could have. Like, if you get in now, it feels like... Man, it's hard, you know. Yeah, I mean, and, and to get back into that, because when mentioning some of those comics that people have forgotten about, like you watch those Rodney Dangerfield Young Comedian specials, and you go, oh, wow, there's Dice, and there's Kennison, there's uh, Carol Leifer, and some of these like bigger names, Roseanne Barr. And then there's the others where you're like, whatever happened to this guy? Like uh, like Barry Sobel, for example. What's Barry Sobel yeah, doing? Barry Sobel's a great, 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 Barry Sobel's a cautionary tale, because, <laughs> I mean... Literally, he was like on fire when he when he was on all these shows. He was on fire, and then and then he just stopped doing. And nobody knew why. It was like and then he was like, I've said this before. He would show up at the comic cellar and like peek his head in the room, and and uh, but he was. I think he was always looking. I don't know if he was like a sex addict or something, but he was always trying to get laid. I guess so. But I'm like, and he was—he's a gay homosexual man, and um. <laughs> but I'm like, well, you can't you do both? Like, what, what, what was, what was? I don't understand. But he was basically like on fire, and then he stopped, and that's almost—that ne- almost never happens. But then about five years ago, he showed up at the at the comedy cellar like on a weekday night, and I don't know if he was on the schedule or they put him on. He was, not, he was up on, he's doing like Tom Hanks impressions and Chris Rock impressions. The crowd has no idea who he is. It's, you know, it's awkward as hell. And then you're like, and then you're like, what the fuck are you thinking? Like, so a lot of people don't do, I mean, nobody does what he does where they just kind of stop doing it for whatever reason. But most, most comics, they don't, I mean, I don't even know. Most comics don't have like a plan. And then even if they have a plan, it gets, you know, I, I don't even know. Like, I, I didn't have a plan. I didn't have a plan to do this podcasting thing. I'm glad I did, but I didn't have, like, a plan. And so, you know, comics, you know, some people say you should always have a plan. I don't know what the Like, Chad, what's your Chad's plan is to go to Florida and marry a rich divorcee, which is a good plan. <laughs> I mean, it's, I'd say it's a good plan because it is a plan. Most comics don't have a plan. They're like, I'll just, I'll just be. I mean, I, I, my plan was to get on Letterman. Then I did. And in the meantime, a lot of things happen because in the pursuit of a goal, a lot of things happen. But but now it's like people want to get a Netflix thing, which I which is like you know you should definitely have a goal. Is I'll say just because otherwise you'll end up like 
you know, just doing, just kind of drifting. Is is the new goal to get on Rogan now, you think, for a lot of comics? Like, the days of you want to sit with Johnny on the couch is that you want to sit there in the studio and smoke weed with uh, Joe Rogan? I have no idea. It's, it's weird, because even when I was when I went out to uh, California a couple of years ago, to, and I, I was just going out because for spring break for my kids spring break and the fans were cheaper out there than for Florida so I'm like oh, I could do some people's podcasts but when I was at when I was at uh, before I was leaving I, I was at I was at Compound Media I was talking to Keith and uh, Keith the Cop and, and Kumia and I said yeah I'm going I said I'm going out you know they know I was going out or whatever I said can you guys uh, you think I see you can help me get on uh, Rogan and they kind of looked at each other like uh, we're not tight like that, you know, so, so I was like, that's kind of, I mean, it was kind of weird that they were like, ah, we're like, if they didn't think I was like ready or they didn't want to, they didn't want to put their name on the line. I don't know what it was, but that's, that's when you kind of go like, oh, I guess this is, I mean, I'm not intimidated by Rogan because I just think, like I said, I'm not doing five minutes on Letterman. It's hard to bomb on a podcast if you're doing four hours, you know? Yeah. I mean, you can bomb, you can bomb in a comedy set on Conan or Letterman or whatever, you can definitely not have a good set. But, I mean, bombing on a podcast, you can't, you, I mean, you got to be like Lenny or Neil to bomb on a podcast. <laughs> Which makes me think, Neil's been on Rogan a couple of times. Yeah, but Rogan puts on, Rogan just has on top of it. Rogan puts on guys, if he, if he, if they ask them, if they're trying to plug something, and if he, you know, I mean, like, listen, if I see Dan, I'm not tight with Dan Soder, but he, he did my roast, and if I see him at a club, we'll joke around, but, if I didn't, if I didn't, if I didn't live here, if he didn't live here, I would, I wouldn't have no relationship with him, you know. So you, if you run into a guy at a club a lot, you're gonna, you're just gonna become kind of friendly, and then you know, if you see him, be like, can I do your show? I got something to plug, and I'll, I'll probably say yes. He does a couple shows a week, so, so yeah, it's definitely good to be in LA for that reason. Now it's definitely way better than being on. Um, on the TV talk shows, being on Kimmel or whatever, because I don't think I don't think those things like guys do Colbert and nobody cares. Like I'm just talking about guys in New York, they do Colbert or you know I don't know Jimmy Fallon. Like they Jimmy Fallon seems like they try to put it on social media more if you do a five minute set. I mean I never see any of those from Colbert, but Colbert doesn't even Colbert doesn't, he does it like a like Byron Allen now, like comics on like you have to do like. He has like ten comics, and then you all do a set, and he's not even there. He doesn't so like comedy. Like, he doesn't. Or he doesn't like comedians. Yeah, well, he, he probably doesn't like stand-up comedy because he's probably and has the sense to like it is what it is. It's nothing, you know. Anyone, like I said, anyone can do stand-up comedy. No disrespect to the people listening and the, or the my co-host here, but I mean, <laughs> listen, listen. Any like my son's funnier than Lenny. <laughs> My son, on a regular basis, says more funny things than Lenny does. I saw Lenny a couple of times do road work, but it was because he was opening for Norton. <laughs> that was it. Yeah, and again, again, if you if you've been doing it for twenty years like Lenny has, and you, I mean, all you have to do is say say certain words in a certain order, and you, oh, you're like, oh, that gets a laugh. I'll keep it there. It's not, it's not, you know, it's not rocket science in the sense that you don't have to be like incredibly clever. You have to just do premises that people like and, and do some obvious jokes, and that's what Lenny does. Kevin, you should do what Mark Norman's doing. He's blowing up right now. Yes, Chad, don't worry about Mark Norman. I have <laughs> nothing to do with Mark Norman. Mark Norman is a pretty boy. 
Uh, he's people like him. Uh, he, he's he's uh, he, I can't. <laughs> 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 I was gonna say first of all, I've ch- uh, Norm Macdonald just blocked me on Twitter, so it's like I'm not the most popular guy. <laughs> so, <laughs> so even though I did a special, even if I did a special, um. It's, it's not going to blow up like that because it's like Mark Norman probably, he probably went on Rogue and he probably had all these guys. He probably has his manager or agent. He probably has a good manager, a good agent. They probably got all his clients to like talk about. It. But also it's free. So I'm not a fan of that putting it out for free thing to, to put it out on YouTube. Like you get a lot of hits, but you know, I mean, how great are the jokes? I mean, I'm not saying him, but how great is the hour if you're like, I want to give this away for free? And then, like, you know what I mean? Would you, would you, if it was a great hour, would you want to give it away for free? Because I don't know. I guess, I guess you would still give it away for free because then they'll come see you in a club if, when the club's open. But I'm against, I'm just, maybe because I'm old school, but giving a free hour away on YouTube and then begging people, he's not begging people, but sometimes you put them out, people start begging people to watch them. It's like, Okay, you're already giving it for free. Don't beg, too. Yeah, and that's what that's what like Premium Blend was at the time, at, back 20 years ago. Is that you would watch Premium Blend, you'd see a five six minute set, and it was a teaser, yeah, so you, you can would get paid. You would get paid for Premium Blend, and you give them five minutes. Now you're giving away an hour for mm. free. It's like the math doesn't work. It just it doesn't work. But but you know you get fans, but then they but but I'm saying if it's a really good, all hours aren't the same. So, so if you put out a really good hour, and then people are like, oh, that was really good, then they come see you next time, and then your next hour is not as good because it's a little bit rushed and whatever, and then, and then, or maybe they are all the same. Maybe all Mark Norman's uh, specials are all the same quality, and then he doesn't have, doesn't have anything to worry about. But you know, I don't, I don't think it works that way. Like most bands, all bands aren't the same. Some albums are better than other albums, so you can't be like, oh, we'll just give away this album to get more fans and then the new album sucks compared to the old album so I don't know I just think giving away an hour it would, would be hard for me to do I'm just saying Mark Norman's blowing up <laughs> what are you a parent <laughs> Chad you've been saying that for, for like three years I don't care it's not even in my demographic I appeal to mostly disgruntled men and flat cat yeah exactly yeah that's uh that's the Dave Landau audience yeah, the too. The fact that I'm even, the fact that I'm even like, I mean, the fact that I, I don't even know how to say, it. like, like when, like I sometimes, like I, I've said it before, I had doubts about my, uh, sometimes I have doubts about what I'm doing, you know, because I'm like, yeah, even I tell myself, dude, you're old, you're done. Not with the club clothes, I don't even have the way to distract myself, but I'm like, dude, you're too old, you're, you're, you, there's no chance. Look at Mark Norman, he's blowing up. Chad's right, and then, and then. <laughs> People make that video of of, of uh, the Hitler Brian McCarthy video. And I was like, I'm like, it's all worth it. It's all worth it. Well, so it's like, so if I if, so I I don't have the fan base that that uh, Mark Maron has. I mean, oh, Mark or Maron, Mark Norman Mark Maron, or Mark Norman. <laughs> but um, but I mean, the fans that I have are are good fans. I mean, I I was like more, but the fans that I have are pretty. They're dedicated. Fucking funny. And, uh, you know, speaking of Mark Norman, I mean, Mark Maron, his girlfriend just died. Yeah, the uh, director, what's her name, uh, 
Lynn or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I just heard about it. That's, uh... I guess I'm the only guy who didn't get sad when I heard the news. <laughs> <laughs> I was more sad about Fred Willard. Her, her, her last words are probably like, her last thoughts are probably like, what a relief. <laughs> you, you know, I bet it was, what the fuck? <laughs> no, because she's, she's, she's like, at least I don't have to date him anymore. <laughs> anyway, at least I don't have to have sex with that creep anymore. Anyway, God bless. Anyway, um... No, anyway, somebody, somebody tagged me, or I didn't even know. Somebody told me, and then, um, and then, <laughs> and then, um, um, and then I was like, yeah, well, well, I, I said Tim and Pat Oswald are friends. So oh. anyway, Chad, you know, our friend. Oh yeah, Chad. One more thing, Chad, to your Mark Norman thing. Last night I had a little bit of a thing because. I didn't even know about this, but I guess they made a, a director's cut of, or they made a, like, they, I don't know what you call it. What's it called when you, when you make it, like, with the Chappelle show, when they sell it, like, in a, like, Director's commentary. Yeah, anyway, no, I guess there's, I guess there's, they, they made a, what do you call it, though? What do you call it when you sell Director's it commentary. A, they did it on Crashing With You. I watched it. No, I know, but what is it called when you sell it, when you buy it? You sell it and you buy it. No, it's for sale. That, they didn't just do it as a... They did it so they, so they could sell the... When you buy the season two or season one of the whole package, you, what, do you, what do they call it when, you, when they have it? Somebody... I don't know. Hello? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. What do you what what do you if you buy season one and two of the Chappelle show? What do you what did you just buy? The box set. The box set. Okay, so that's I guess that's what they're saying. So so I guess crashing, which is not selling as well as the Chappelle show in a box set. I guess they <laughs> made I guess they made a box set with with the director and the star, their commentary. So I was listening to it last night. Somebody sent it to me, and they're saying and 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 they get to my clip with. Uh, um, Will Seven. Will and they're saying like I'm like bitter and you know after I and they were so nice to me and then after I did the show I was like I was like talking shit about them and everybody else and I'm like I don't even know what they're talking about like I don't re I all I said was when the show got canceled you know they were I think Pete I think Pete Holmes was giving out comedy tips that like it. You know, I think it was a part of the box set or part of the final show commentary they're giving. Whatever, I, I don't even know exactly what happened, but but they tweeted out Pete was giving out comedy pictures. And I'm like, so maybe it's not a good time to give out comedy pictures when you just got canceled. Like, it's a joke, you know. So uh, Were they as good and, as Gary Goldman's comedy tips? No, but then Judd Apatow <laughs> chimed in on my tweet. He doesn't even follow me. <laughs> And the same thing happened on Instagram. Like I said, when Liz was like, oh, look at the clip of when the first came out, Liz the, from the comic seller. She's like, oh, Kevin, look at your clip. I go, I go, and then I, I think I watched it or or whatever. And I said, yeah, well, they didn't, they, they cut out my funny stuff. The, the, they edited out the funny stuff. And then Shut Episode again jumps in. Um, no, Kevin, this was the funny stuff. And I'm like, he doesn't even follow me on Instagram. So I'm like, what is going on? So that's why I'm like, Chad, yeah, you can you can take your Mark Norman comments and shove it up your freaking Ohio ass. Because, <laughs> because, I mean, it's funny, but it's like, Judd Apatow's like, I mean, I've seen him since, and, and he didn't say a word, and he was friendly and whatever. So 
it was just, you know, they were just looking to be, you know, whatever. But, but it's like, I'm not going to, I'm Mark Norman. Nobody doesn't like Mark Norman. He's like Sarah Lee. Remember that commercial? Nobody doesn't like Sarah Lee. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I thought Mark Norman is like every, you know, Mark Norman thinks he's like socially awkward. It's like, I've never seen him be, I've seen me be socially awkward every day, but he's never socially awkward. <laughs> but if, but if Judd Apatow says on a, in a thing, on a, on a, on a director's cut commentary that basically I'm bitter and then I was talking shit about him after they hired me. I was like, I was like, what? So my reputation is garbage, but, uh, but, <laughs> but at least, but I mean, that's progress that Judd Apatow was talking about. I mean, going back to my earlier point, I mean, people are talking about me, so that's good. I, I saw a thing on Facebook, uh, these Facebook sponsored ads and it says, uh, learn comedy from Judd Apatow. I'm like, learn what comedy? <laughs> no, he. I mean, listen. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna get into more trouble. He. I mean, he's made good movies, so. Well, I meant as far uh, as stand up. I mean, from he was yeah. a guy that he was a, he was a pretty failed stand. I mean, and he said it before. He wasn't a very good stand up in the early '90s. He got into directing. He made successful movies. Then he gets back into stand up, which. I thought I was going to respect him because I'm like, wow, he's done all this and he wants to get back to his roots. No, he wanted to put out a, a really terrible hour and he, he put out an album and put it out. It just really was not that good. And at the same time, he's still who's lecturing talking, people. Who's just talking? Who's just talking? Tony? Yes. Okay, just so the audience knows. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think what happened was, I, I, I didn't have to look at the timeline, but really what happened was... Um, I think in the early 90s, like going back to the early point, in the early 90s, comedy, stand-up comedy was a disaster. So a lot of people just went different routes. Like, it's going to happen now. Like, people are not going to be able to... A lot of comics that were, like, doing okay, but not really not really that popular in any way, shape, or form, are just not going to be able to do stand-up anymore. They'll have to, like, get into, you know, writing. So I think might have what happened to him was, like, in the early '90s, it just comedy was bad. So, if he was if he was friends with the right people, and he probably just started, you know, trying to get writing jobs. I know a guy. I know, Tom Hertz was a friend of mine. You guys probably don't know him, but he created some TV shows. But when comedy went bad, he was you know he was friends with me and Atel. And he when comedy went bad, he was like, I'm just going to become a writer. And that happened to. I remember talking to him about. It. He goes, Yeah, I'm just going to be. I'm just going to start writing. And then he he. he created that David Spade show, Rules of Engagement, so he's made some nice money, mm. and he's made more money than me, and but but and I think maybe that happened to Judd Apatow, where he's just like, okay, he was not a great stand-up, so maybe, I mean, he, by his own admission, he was not a great stand-up, but you know, I, but again, there was not that much, there was not that much stand-up work, or there was no money in it, so he's probably like, let me just start writing, and then he became, you know, he's already friends with Sandler. And then, you know, and Sandler was doing well, so he probably just used his connections to uh, to do that. And I didn't see his Netflix thing, but, you know, whatever. Well, as a, as a stand-up and, you know, and just being a tried-and-true stand-up for so long, do, I don't want to say, uh, does it offend you? But when you see people like Jeremy Piven, when you see Screech and Todd Bridges and everybody that decide to use stand-up as kind of a fallback, does that kind of piss you off a little bit? Or do you just go, now nah, their shelf life is going to be a couple of years, they're going to do it, they're going to bomb, and then we'll cycle through another process of failed uh, actors? And no, what? I don't. I mean, I, that, that's Chad's beef. I could care less, <laughs> but I'll tell you. I'll tell you what. No, what happens is that I don't, like, 
I've just seen, I guess too many things have happened where I, where, you know, I'm like, well, is it going to, how long? I mean, Dane Cook used to sell, sell out the Madison Square Garden and like big arenas and the Air Center. I remember I was in the Air, in Toronto and he was coming in, he had just come in and sold out. I'm like, I don't even know how that's possible. And then it's, then it stops. I don't know how it stops. You know, it just stops. So, so, you know, so when you see a guy like, like Jeremy Piven, who's probably not a good stand-up, or Michael Rappaport, who was like an actor, and now he's like, I'm a, I'm a stand-up. I'm like, okay. So, and people say he's good. I could care less, but it's like he's not, you know, what can I do about it? You know, do I get mad? No. Well, because that's I mean, like with I, all I, the... It doesn't, it's, not, it's not my business. It's like my business is to like just get better. You know, I hate to sound like Tiger Woods or LeBron James, but like... Really, my job is to get better, and like I was doing the, I was doing the, um, I was doing the uh, comedy cellar that the show they do every night, one night, mm. and I was saying I was moving to Florida, and Esty was like, Esty was like, oh my god, that's terrible news! You're such a great comic, and Bobby Kelly goes, great, <laughs> and uh, Esty goes, Esty goes, well, he's been very good for many years, and and Bobby goes, I guess that's something, so you know, like. I mean, the one thing that I never wanted to be was just, you know, I just worry about myself and that, like, I, I get mad when I see somebody, like, got a, another special or whatever, like Dan Soder. But, like, I'm just saying, when a, when a, I'm like, didn't he just get one? But, like, I mean, I, I just, I do have to get better. I know just the one thing I have to do as a comic is just, you kind of have to keep getting better or else you're kind of effed. I would have said a bad word about my sons right here, so... Just kind of have to get better, and that's what that's what Ty, that's what the athletes say. They just, I just have to get better. You just have to once you're like, oh, I'm good enough, then you're kind of doomed. So, so I don't worry about Screech or Jeremy Piven. It's like, I mean, if I go to a show and I can't follow, like one time I couldn't follow this lady comic at the cellar, you know, and that was like when you know white women were taking. Well, it was probably like when the first Me Too thing first started, and I was wearing like a off-duty cop jacket. So I probably didn't, you know, I probably was, and then she did all right, and I couldn't follow, and, like, I just had a bad set, and I just, I got off the stage, and I just walked for, like, 50 blocks in the rain, I'm like, this is where I want, and then I went to a strip club, and then I came home, my wife goes, were you at a strip club? I'm like, what? I'm like, well, every, I'm having a bad night. So, uh, somehow, <laughs> somehow my wife knew, even though I didn't even, I was only there for five minutes, I just kept walking, because I was so horrified. So, uh, just cause I, cause I'm like, I would say if you can't follow a woman comic, then you should get out of the business. So, <laughs> so I'm like, something must be wrong with my act. So if, so if I follow Jeremy Piven and he did great and then I bombed, I'd be like, I, there probably is a problem. So I kind of gauge it by that. I don't gauge it by you know, how popular, uh, a guy like that is. Cuz you see a lot of the YouTube and Instagram type of comedians and I use that in quotes. I that... really don't. I only saw one guy. I saw one guy, he was like a local guy who was doing all these like using Instagram stuff to like make funny videos and I saw he was like selling out a lot of places. And I'm like, yeah, I can't I can't do that. It's not my business, you know. And uh and that's, you know, there's nothing I can do. I don't but I don't watch it. I don't I don't, I'm not on YouTube that much looking for people like that because, you know, the audience is dumb. You know, they're not all dumb, but a lot of them are dumb and they want simple comedy, you know? Well, and that's where, that's what Star Search was back in the day. You had 
two minutes, if that, to try to be funny. And you were you were on Star Search back in the day. Was this an interview? I'm doing. I'm, I'm looking at your IMDb. <laughs> <laughs> this is Tony pilot. It's pilot episode, so we want to make it good. We want people who. Uh, no, I did a. I did a. Um, yeah, but that wasn't. That was not. That was more. That was. That was not about being a hack. That was more about like. Can you can you get people to like you in two minutes? But you know, it's funny that that somebody just redid my Wikipedia, and uh, they did a quote. I you know I I have nothing to do with it. I just I just check myself out every every couple of minutes to see if anything changed. <laughs> but uh, like yeah, Chappelle but for a while, when he googles it was, like, himself, all about it was all about my podcast. But somebody changed it, and they they quoted something about like Jim Gaffigan I guess in an interview he said in 2017 in 2017 interview he said he goes well he goes I started in New York where basically David telling Kevin Brennan like you were supposed to get laughs even though you weren't likable so or the way he worded it was basically like the crowd wasn't supposed to like you but they were supposed to laugh anyway because your 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 jokes are funny so so when I went on so starts which was more about like can you be likable in two minutes and the answer for me is no. Yeah, no. It's it's long. It, you have to get. You, you have great jokes, but you also have good stories too. That's why you're one of my favorite comedians. And Kevin, before we let you go here, and I really appreciate you being on here. Oh, uh, you're really good at it. I knew you were wrapping it up from the way you were saying that. I'm I'm a broadcast professional who did stand up because I <laughs> fell into it because I needed a oh, job. I like how I knew I knew from the way you were saying it. I'm like, oh, I don't know what I said, but the interview is over. <laughs> no, it's uh, it will let you get on with your day too. Uh, no, and... I know. I appreciate. It. I appreciate. It. I talk too much anyway because I just had a cup of coffee and now I'm all. <laughs> I have nothing else to do. But uh, I'll go play basketball with my son. The, the the last thing I wanted to ask you is about it, kind of going round robin with what uh, we open with when talking about content. Are you? Do you have any fears of whether it's you or the business in general of this podcast slash comedy entertainment? Is that things are going to get oversaturated, or if they're already oversaturated, and how to be how to kind of pull yourself apart and be unique in a landscape where there's just so much content out there. I don't know, Chad. Why don't you answer that? <laughs> I just interview childhood heroes like Bo Duke from Dukes of Hazard. That's my whole content. No, the the thing the thing with me now is now I have a new. Listen, I don't want to like overanalyze this because it's, it's kind of pointless. But the one the one concern I have now is like, I mean, uh, you know, like I said, the guy was doing the 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 uh, Hitler Brian McCarthy thing and then um, and then Joe Exotic on Twitter was making putting out all these YouTube clips of um, um, Dislabeled yeah well they, he's calling Dislabeled but it's really Brian and me from Burning Bridges you know so it's like a lot it seems like and like I don't I don't I don't ask anyone to do anything a lot of people are doing stuff so so and then uh, somebody on Twitter said or something on Facebook, like, I was literally, I said this already in my show, I was taking a shower one on a Sunday, whatever, and I was like, I go, my show's like more about the soap opera, it's more soap opera than a, than a comedy podcast, like it's a soap opera, 
with comedy in it, you know. And it, then, it's uh, it's hard to judge a Misery Loves Company off of one episode. You it, you have to get the story arc of your former co-host, the fans who think they're a part of the show, uh, your personal life, and everything. And that's what's that's what I find it so interesting. And it's kind of that Howard Stern type of mindset where you had. There was Howard, and then there was the characters on the show. And that's where I think someone like Brian didn't understand. Brian thought he was also the show. Brian, you're, you were just an element of Kevin's, uh, this, this brainchild. That I, whether yeah, he... you, know what, uh, you know what, Tony? You're right and you're wrong, because I thought Brian was the show. But then I realized, once, but, then he's, but now, as, now that he's gone, he's more valuable to me, valuable to me not on the show. <laughs> So I had no idea this would happen. Like, I, I don't, like, even when Lenny quit, I was like, I'm done. I'm done. Like, once I was like, Jimmy Martinez trying to beat me up, I go, I'm done. And then, and then I didn't know what was going on at the time. But when I finally got the, the, uh, when I, because I was in charge of my Lipson account at the time. So I had no idea what was going on with the show's popularity. But the show was got more popular when Lenny left. So the show almost got funnier when Brian left because, now the fans, now that becomes the show. So, and again, I never premed, I never thought it was, I never thought it was good that Brian quit. But then when I saw the video, the Hitler uh, video, I was like, oh my god, this is fucking gold! Like it's all, like it's all worth it. You know what I mean? And that's where when so, you when you, some of your guests that you've had on, whether it's like it, it you you. I don't want to say you've gravitated away from doing like the the Colin Quinns and and you've had Bill Burr and. Uh, 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 what a uh, couple other people you've had on, uh, yeah, tell. But when you've had like Alex Engelbert, who's G- Gino Bisconti's ex-girlfriend, <laughs> and you've had Jim Stansel or Stu Kamens, these are people who get the show and, and know who you are. I love when the two tired twats are on; they're fantastic. I think they. they... Well, yeah, how about that lady that was like a like Taffy she, Jaffe? A, no, like uh, I forget what her name was on Twitter, but she she was on and and. Like, uh, she, she used to be, uh, an escort and now she wants to do comedy and she was, I mean, she was so bad. I almost like, I almost threw my tea at her, you know? And then people, people go that, oh, that was amazing. I go, oh, that's right. Cause they, they love the aspect where I'm like furious and I'm like, the more, like Adam says, the more, the, whenever Adam says, I'm, I can't take some more, I'm going to quit. Adam knows we're, we're having a good episode. <laughs> <laughs> so, but again, I'm telling you, I'm telling you from the, I never, I didn't, I never plan any of this. Like, I, I didn't, I didn't, I don't, I never, like, I, it's just never planned. It's never planned. I never thought, I never wanted Brian to quit. I didn't want, Len, like, Lenny was kind of a different story, but I didn't, I thought Brian quitting, I, I never wanted him to quit. I didn't want, um, like, even when Chad and, when Chad and Brian we're going back and forth, and Chad gave out his number. I was like, "Oh my god, that's that's so like, it's so it's so bad." But then I'm like, "But it that's like plays into the show. Like it's so everything's so goddamn inappropriate that, that like again, I don't I don't like I'm not saying like I hope Chad gives out Brian's number when it happens. I'm like, oh, that's kind of fucked up. But then I'm like, oh, I guess it's good for the like the overall entertainment value of the show. Well, it's about content. When when I heard the the that Gary Gullman pins you in the bathroom. I couldn't wait for Monday's podcast for you to talk about it. I mean, it's just, it's anything. It really is like the tears of a clown type of thing where everything that you do is almost about trying to find content for the show. 
I know. I would I would agree with you, except that I and sometimes a lot of times I'll just go, oh god damn it, and I'm like, well, I guess it's good. Like the time that guy headbutted me in my lobby, you know, like <laughs> I thought, I thought, god damn it, this is terrible. And then the next day when I was doing my show, I'm like, wow, this made today's show really easy because I was just I didn't have to worry about like, oh, what am I going to talk about and and uh, stuff like that. Yeah. So so that's why when chat like when 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 uh. When Brian got off Twitter and then Chad moved to Florida, I go, oh, fuck now. Well, uh, it, but it's worked, and I, I really enjoy no, it. it just, I feel like I feel like I'm I'm like I'm losing some content, you know. I'm like when Brian got off Twitter, I was like, ah, then I'm like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> it's just getting good. I don't know. We'll see. Well, uh, Kevin, let's do your plugs right now. And uh, I really, again, I really appreciate you coming on today. But uh, you've got the Misery Loves Company. Uh, you can well, also is it? It's free on YouTube, right? The uh, the roast of Kevin Brennan. Yeah, yeah. Go to my go to my. Uh, I don't even know what to tell people. Go to my Twitter, and then all the links are there for my show and the Patreon. Once one one free a week, and one and then Patreon. The second show is. Patreon, but um, and what do you get on the Patreon levels? And the well, Patreon level. If you're Patreon, you get Monday video for free, and then if and then and then you get Thursday. I don't even want, when I explain it, it sounds stupid. But basically, it's like if if you're if you're Patreon, you basically get everything. If you're if you're not Patreon, you get one one show a week audio only, and that's Monday. But I'm trying to think about my YouTube, like. My YouTube, I should have a link on my my Twitter for my YouTube because I don't even know. I'm not sure if it's uh, I'm not sure if it's Misery Loves Company YouTube or Kevin Brennan YouTube, but but it's pretty easy to find. Just go to you know, just Google my name and then I'll Google Kevin Brennan roast on YouTube, and then that should take you to all the other stuff. Well, I appreciate. I really, I really do appreciate it, Kevin. Thanks so much for being on here, and thanks, Chad, of course. America, right, you guys? That's right, MAGA. Rest in peace, Mark Maron's wife. Chad, uh, not his wife, Chad. Oh, girlfriend. Chad, are you in Florida? No, I leave tomorrow. I'm going to be driving, so you might be getting a call the next two days. Wait, did you hear anything about doing a a reality show with Barry Ribs? I, I heard something about it. I don't know. I, I mean, people talk. No, you and Barry Ribs are gonna have be roommates. No, it's that was a Twitter <laughs> tweet, and again, it's it's not reality. So Barry Ribs is not driving to Florida or taking a bus to Florida, and then you guys are gonna do a, a, a reality show. No, that was just a tweet that got out of control. There's no Barry Ribs and Chad Zumach living situation. It might be. It might be. Uh, might be a lot of content there. <laughs> yeah, for you. As they say, as they say in the business, a lot of meat on the bone. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tony. All right, Chad. See you guys. See you, Kevin. Thanks, Kevin. All right, bye. <laughs>